I invite you to keep your eyes closed and feel the stillness. Listen. Is there a message for you in this stillness? Imagine that your heart has a message for you. What would it want you to know in this moment? What might you need to know to help you through the holidays, to guide you through this time of COVID? Pay attention to your body and listen with your whole being. Just listen. I'm wondering if any of you heard something in that stillness. Who got a message of some kind? If you did, I invite you to write yes in the chat, chat box. We're keeping it open today. We're gonna have a few moments of interaction during the sermon today. So if you got some kind of message about your life or about this time, just write yes in the chat box. Nice, I see a lot of yeses. Oh, that touches my heart, I'm so glad. And if you didn't get any kind of message, I don't want you to worry. I actually really struggle to hear my inner guidance for the sermon this week, even though it was the topic. So some days it just doesn't speak to us. Some days that inner voice is just plain hard to hear. Or it can take a while for us to practice listening for our inner wisdom before we hear it. So whatever experience you had during the silence is just fine. But if you want to practice hearing stillness speak, it's good to create the conditions for it to emerge like we just did. Just like you would be really still if you want a wild animal to approach you. Parker Palmer calls this the wild animal of our soul. So we wanna be really still so that it can emerge. Stillness can speak when we're deeply quiet, when we're present to the moment when we're listening, when we're meditating or reading or writing, and sometimes even when we're sleeping or just being. In this quiet place, we're connected to a deeper state of being. Our mind and body stop racing, which allows our inner guidance or our wisdom, the voice of source or stillness to emerge. And in this deep pool of quiet, our deepest wisdom can come forth. 
And there are many synonyms for this kind of wisdom. Some people call it the soul, or we might call it our essence or our higher self, or our divine nature or inner knowing and so forth. I invite you to use whatever phrase rings true for you. But some of you might be wondering, what does the voice of stillness actually sound like? Is it a booming voice from on high? Nika, you need to write about this in your sermon. Very clear and loud. The way we read about it in the Bible when God speaks to people. Oh, how I wish it was like that. That would make it so much easier, wouldn't it? If we were like stopped on the street and told these messages really clearly. But instead, people seem to experience it in many different ways and not always as a voice. For me to truly be able to hear it, I often have to go into my dark closet where there are no distractions and it's completely quiet. And that's where I meditate and write most of my sermons. Or sometimes it even comes out of a sleep state. Sometimes in the middle of the night, I'm woken up with something I need to write down or in the pre-early, in the, in the early pre-dawn time. Yes, and Anna, he writes, listen to your dreams. Or have to be out in nature, attuned to the natural elements, and sometimes something will come that way. But if you're wanting to hear that inner voice, I encourage you to find a space where you can allow your body and mind to settle, just like Sam demonstrated for us with a glitter jar in the story earlier. You want to allow that glitter, all the thoughts, and apparently we have about 50,000 thoughts a day, and all of the distractions to settle down to the bottom so you can see clearly and listen in the midst of calm. And it can help with just breathing in and out, settling ourselves and with a meditation. And then once you're in that space of deeper quiet and calm, you can begin by asking yourself simple open-ended questions. That's just seek a yes or a no answer. Questions like, um, is what I'm considering in my highest good or best interest? Or something like, is this the right next step? Or is this good for me? Or you can ask a more complex question like, what would you have me do? Or what do I need now? Or what does the world need now? I want you to make sure that the questions come from an open-hearted, loving place and they're not driven by fear or ego. Inner wisdom usually feels just right. And you can also find answers by writing your questions down in a journal and then keep writing and see if answers come. Or you might hear them through songs or sounds, or your body might express something to you through a sensation that means something to you. Or you might have an experience in nature around you. I often see different kinds of birds at times when I'm struggling or looking for answers and birds that seem to have wisdom to give me just seem to show up when I'm wrestling with something. You might also hear messages through song lyrics that suddenly appear and repeat in your mind or through writing poetry or painting. Generally, the answers come from a non-linear, non-cognitive place and you can't force them. And they're not overly intellectual, rather they're more instinctual and creative. 
This is actually why I go off on my silent retreats during my study leave, because it's often only there that I can truly quiet my mind. There's no internet, no phone, no emails. And there's enough silence to find inspiration and hear from that deeper place. And it's actually where some of my songs arise, often in the middle of the night, and where I come up with sermon and service ideas. But how can you tell if it's a message from your innermost being or your higher self, rather than just your mind or your ego telling you what to do? Generally, I find that I know it's not ego originated when it allows the body to relax and unwind. There's a quietness, a peace in the knowing when it's from your higher self. And your higher self will only guide you to what's best for you. So it should make you feel calm and good. There will be a sense of yes in your heart, a resonance with the quietness of knowing. Now that's not to say that the answers you get won't sometimes be challenging. And yet you'll have a sense of inner peace of knowing it's right, even if the answer confronts you. But if you're unsure whether an answer truly comes from this source, then you can ask yourself whether this wisdom matches your deepest values and truths. Does it align with our seven UU principles? Our mission as chalice, is it in your best interests and highest good? According to Gandhi, the ultimate test of truth is the refusal to do harm to yourself or to another. Eckhart Tolle writes in his book, Stillness Speaks, that wisdom comes with the ability to be still. Just look and just listen, no more is needed. Let stillness direct your words and actions. It is inner stillness, he says, that will save and transform the world. Well, hang on a second. How can inner stillness save and transform the world, you might ask? Isn't it a very solitary internal experience? It is, but when we tap into that inner stillness, we find a deeper wisdom from which to live, from which to advocate, from which to do our work of justice and compassion. And we're less blown and swayed by the winds of change and all the craziness around us. We have our roots deeply in the ground for our work in the world. And we need that kind of still grounded wisdom, especially now, my friends, when so much in our world seems to be unraveling and topsy-turvy. Also doing justice work from a place that is rooted in stillness, rooted in peace and truth is so much more effective and powerful than doing it from a place of reactivity. And we only need to look to leaders like Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King to know about those kinds of nonviolent still places that they come from. But being still, being still can be hard for many Unitarian Universalists, can't it? I mean, we're busy folk who love to be out there doing good and being active and making a difference and achieving and thinking, aren't we? And there's good reason there's a lot to do in this world to make it kinder and more just and equitable for all. There's a lot to do each day of our short lives. In fact, there are limitless things to keep us busy if we want. 
our work is never done. And then there are the tasks and distractions of daily life, like work and social media, technology, cooking, cleaning, gardening, parenting, grandparenting, and generally maintaining life. There's never a dearth of things to do. So it can be hard for us to make time for that stillness, to drop into a state of being where we can actually hear stillness speak. Sometimes I wonder whether we stay so busy to avoid stillness. Is there an emptiness that we're afraid to confront? or a potential lack of meaning and purpose? Are we afraid that if we stop and there's too much stillness that we're gonna go mad or get bored? That there's nothing more to life or that we're not good enough or wasting our lives? Or maybe we're concerned there's too much work to do in the world to take time to connect with this inner stillness. Do we feel our lives will be meaningless if we're not doing something? I know that discomfort with stillness. I'm often happier when I'm working, growing and contributing to society in some way. And if there's too much space or too much emptiness, I can struggle with purposelessness and contend towards depression. In the midst of our enforced stillness during COVID, during the stay at home order, we're being asked to confront that in a new way, aren't we? With many of our old ways of staying busy, whether it's going to work or traveling or seeing family and friends for the holidays or going to school or college and all of that not being available to us, we are forced to come face to face with stillness to look it in the mirror. So what do we do when we haven't chosen stillness but have to endure a forced stillness like now? It can be particularly hard if you're living alone and there's no one around you to distract you or hug you or even bug you. Perhaps you're an extrovert who craves being around people and now you can't see your friends and are mostly isolated. Or you were going to start college and now have to do it from the confines of your bedroom without physically meeting your classmates or professors. Or you're an actor or a musician who can no longer engage in your craft in the same way online. This enforced stillness is hard on so many of us. And we want to rail against it. This is not the kind of stillness that nourishes us, so many think. Unless we make it so. Damien Eccles spent almost 20 years in prison on death row for a crime he didn't commit. Yet somehow he transformed his living hell into a new way of being. For almost 20 years, he lived confined to a tiny concrete cell in which he could stretch out his arms and touch the walls. He had almost no sunlight, no fresh air. He was fed awful food and suffered from extreme cold and heat. He was tear gassed often and at times forced to live in foot deep sewage every time the sewer in the prison backed up, which apparently happened regularly. It was a life of extreme deprivation and torture. And yet somehow early in his confinement, Eccles decided to live a rich, meaningful life despite his confinement in that tiny cell. 
And he was able to transcend this awful existence through meditation, through prayer and other spiritual practice that he taught himself in jail. And he found ways to grow and expand and listen deeply within. In a recent interview, he shared some of the lessons he learned during that time, which he thinks are useful for us now during COVID. And one of the lessons stillness taught him is not to live for some imagined future, but instead be present in the moment, no matter how challenging the moment. Now, he didn't know when his execution date would come, or indeed if he might one day be free. But rather than obsess about these future possibilities, he chose to focus on the present, on each day he was given to learn, grow and transform. So Eccles encourages us to stop wishing for things the way they were or the way they might be and instead be present with what is making the most of each day. And he recommends focusing on something beyond our troubles and advises us to not watch the news regularly or listen to all the worst case scenarios. Instead, Eccles urges us to dig deep and find new ways of being in this unusual time. He believes we're gonna have useful new skills at the end of this. And if it's learning to be with our silence, that's a really valuable skill. He believes we'll find new ways to feed our souls, to tend to the world and find purpose. And he suggests keeping our eyes focused on things that are beautiful and meaningful around and within us, whether it's a glorious tree in your neighborhood or candlelight or flowers on our path or our pets or our ability to move our bodies. We don't have to live through this, he says. We get to live through this. We get to choose who we become during this time, what story we want to create. Eccles chose to create a deeply spiritual life out of his terrible experience in prison. And I'm so glad to say he's now been released and has written books and teaches about what he found in the stillness and hardship. So my friends, how do we turn this enforced time of stillness, our quarantine, into a stillness that speaks, into something that comforts and guides us during this time? Can we? It's all very well to choose stillness, to choose silence, but when it's forced upon us like now, it can drive us mad or into feelings of despair. Or we can use it as an opportunity to discover a new way of living and being like Eccles did. I challenge us to do that. So many things show their beauty when we go quiet, writes Mark Nepo in his book, Things That Join the Sea in the Night. So many truths are present when we look up from under our trouble. To fall below the world while still living in the world makes us remember that the truth that waits under our opinions is our home. 
So my beloveds, I invite you to look up from under your trouble and from behind your opinions. What are some of the new truths or gifts that you are discovering during this time of enforced stillness? And I invite, if you're willing to share, I invite you to write any brief lessons that you've learned or that you're learning during this time in the chat now, and I'm going to read some of them out. Anna, he says, listen to your dreams. If you think about them too much, the feelings dissipate. Listen to your heart, indeed. Listen to your heart. What are some of the other lessons that you all are learning during this time of stillness? Pensiveness. Be here now, indeed. My connections are central to my life force. Mm, so how do we keep them going during this time? Claudia writes, it's healthy to live and move more slowly. And then Laurie and Rod write, when I hug myself, it's as healing as when someone else hugs me. If not more so, what a wonderful lesson to learn. Annie writes, simplifying is soothing. Mm -hmm. And Amy writes, I've learned that what seems so troubling on the surface are not so important when you're still in quiet. Yes. And Barbara writes, in stillness, one notices more, resets priorities, feels gratitude for so much. And Charmian writes, in my channeling and hypnotherapy sessions, when we go into the future and the new earth and ask what COVID was for, they say it will be seen as the turning point for the new earth. Beautiful. And Barbara writes to cherish the simple routine of a cup of tea or reading for fun. And Sarah writes, we've been reading aloud to each other. It's usually a solitary thing, but so nice to share it. Lovely. And Anahi writes chanting as a morning spiritual practice. That's beautiful. And chanting can bring you into stillness. And Aitana writes, I'm learning to genuinely love myself and my own company. Now, what a gift is that? That's huge. Gordon and Barbara write, deepening family ties. And Sylvia Kasberg writes, listen to the early morning waken. And Dalila writes, let go of others' choices. And probably listen to your own more. And Michael Axhaven writes, doing less. Yes. And Susan Stewart writes, dancing. Indeed, Susan, I'm right there with you. I dance throughout my day at different times. And Kelly writes, learning how to release what I can't control. That's a huge lesson too, indeed. And Matt, thank you for reminding us that laughing can be a meditation too. Yes, Matt, I miss your laugh. And Thelma writes, lonely is expecting someone else to make you happy, but alone is realizing you are responsible for your own happiness. What beautiful depth there, Thelma. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you all for your amazing wisdom. This enforced stillness seems to have some really unexpected, important gifts for us, doesn't it? So I encourage us all to keep looking and find all the treasures in this quiet time, to look at it as a time that we're diving deep and finding a treasure trove of new skills, to listen deeply and glean new lessons. 
So I close with words of blessing by Reverend Laura Horton Ludwig from The Imprint of Love. In the stillness and silence of our own heart, we read the imprint of love, created not by our own will, but planted there for us to discover. By what or whom we cannot know, and yet it is there, a clue, a talisman, a beacon, a light within. May it keep hope alive, even as we dwell in mystery. May it guide us all as we seek to act wisely and well. May it help us be vessels of compassion for one another and for our world. My friends, may you find your stillness and that deep, small voice within to guide you. And may you stumble upon many unexpected blessings in the silence of your heart during this time. I love you all and wish you a very blessed holiday, however, or holidays, however you're spending them. <laughs>